0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orrico99 and also at ethosfantasybb, Ethos Fantasy BB. E T H O S Fantasy BB. That's where you get all of our new podcasts, articles, news, and notes. All of our content on the baseball side gets shared out over at Ethos Fantasy BB. So make sure you're following over there. And if you're not, Make sure you're checking out SportsEthos.com so you're still seeing our different articles and podcasts and everything else. Like I say occasionally, and I believe I said it yesterday, it's a really good idea to just subscribe to the podcast that you like rather than trying to find links for them. That doesn't even just apply to this show. If you're interested in different shows and podcasts, help out those content creators by actually just subscribing to them rather than having to go look for them. You help everybody out. It's easier for you. It helps us grow. Everybody wins a little bit at the end of the day. So make sure you are subbing if you haven't done so already. Today we're going to do a mailbag. We are going to be talking about your different questions that you've sent in throughout the day. I've given you guys a long time, usually with mailbags, sometimes, not usually maybe, but a lot of the time, they're more spontaneous, and I'll just say, I want to get a couple questions in on the show, or I want to do a mailbag, and I usually just give a couple hours, but I've given the whole day today. I sent this out earlier this morning. And now it is uh, 7.30 p.m. when I'm recording it because it was just a very busy day. And I wanted to give you guys a chance to actually get your questions in there. And I appreciate we got about 20 questions we're going to go through. One thing I do want to say is when you send in questions, I love the support. I love all of that when you send in questions. Try and make it so it's not so, so, so specific if possible sometimes I mean it, it really depends on the question right but there's sometimes I got a question and it's like I'm in a 13 category league and I'm offered these seven players for these six players uh, th- those kind of things are very hard to actually gauge value on outside of you know standard 10 cats something you know, obP and quality starts I, you can figure those ones out but when you start getting into so many different categories it gets hard for me to actually even know what's going on you know you've got total bases and you've got this and you've got net stolen bases and you got There's a lot of complicated questions that I do get, and I'll try and answer all of them, but sometimes they are just very tricky to figure out how to answer. Should I trade these seven guys for these six guys in return? It's really tough. And when I say you know, being specific, being specific is good in terms of, you know, I'm in a points league. There's 12 teams and blah, blah, blah. And even if it is complicated, I do want to know. The context behind it, because you can't really properly answer a question without context. So I do appreciate when you guys say, you know, 12 team head to hat cats, it's redraft, it's dynasty, it's 10 team, it's Roto, it's whatever. So all of that being said, let's get it going. And we got a question here to start it off from our dear friend, Mr. Mike Carter. He's asking if he can trust Lance Lynn again. As a White Sox fan, I'm sure it's very hard to trust anybody, Mike. But with Lance Lynn, I'm more willing to be buying in than I would be wanting to sell him. He was dropped in my 10-team home uh, head-to-head cast league. I want to say maybe two weeks ago, and I saw it right away and I picked him up because you know even if it doesn't get as bad as good as we thought, he was still worth you know picking up at that time. He shouldn't be on waiver wires. Essentially, we said this a few days ago. He should not be on waiver wires because the potential is still there for him to be a great pitcher. We saw it last year. He started off really slow, and once he actually got ramped up, because he came back from an injury, once he got ramped up, he was really, really good down the stretch. This season so far has been, I don't want to say disaster, because it's been up and down. Like There's been some starts that have been really horrendous, but there's also been some starts that have been really good, and specifically his last two have been very good. Cleveland and Kansas City does give you a bit of pause because, okay, you want to get right. You, you prefer he get right against a good team. I mean, you just want him to get right, period, and you'll take what you're given. Cleveland, Kansas City, he's got Detroit due up next, so it's looking very good for now. In terms of can you trust him, like, rest of season, I would be more inclined to say that you can than you can't. You know, he's still got a good strikeout rate. Overall, the metrics still seem to be pretty good. I know, like, that ERA is incredibly inflated, and because of it, you know, the advanced numbers are going to be a little inflated, too, but... 628 ERA, he's got a 369 XFIP, he's got a 472 FIP. Those numbers are quite a bit better than the actual product. A 378 Sierra, a lot of things that indicate that he is a lot better than what we have seen so far. And we also have uh, you know, 12 years of track record of Lance Lynn to know that, okay, he's not going to be a 6 ERA kind of guy. Now, is he going to be a 253 ERA guy like we've seen a couple times in the past from him? Likely not at this point, but can he still be somebody that has value in all fantasy leagues? I think so. Based on the strikeouts, based on the fact that I still maybe have misguided hope that the White Sox can be a good team over the course of a whole season. I might be crazy to think that. And you know, I, I don't I don't know what the right answer is. Can the White Sox actually be a good team? I think they can be a lot better than what we've seen. And I think Lance Lynn going out there every fifth day for your fantasy team. You're going to trust him a lot more than you're going to trust the random waiver wire fodder that you'd be picking up in his place. In a lot of cases, you know, in that 10-team league where I picked him up, could I make the argument that I don't need him in a 10-team league? I maybe could, but I think even there, I would want to be holding on to Lance Lynn. He's only rostered in 72% of Yahoo leagues. It was obviously, to begin the season, very high. He had some bad starts. It plummeted down, and understandably so. But even then, it, it's still so early. I know we're almost two months in, but it's still very early to be fully making judgments on a player when there's such a long track record. I was getting into it today with a few different people, a few of analysts on Twitter about Trey Turner. And the argument is that Trey Turner is no longer an elite player. I disagree wholeheartedly because of a bad couple of months. You're going to throw away what he's done for seven years. No, I, I'm not there yet. I don't believe in small sample sizes overruling. Everything we know about particular players, whether it is a Trey Turner or it's a Lance Lynn, we're still very early. Your you know preconceived notions of who these guys are are likely still more accurate than the small sample sizes that we've seen. So the six plus ERA, the one four seven WHIP, not good. But I don't think it's going to continue for Lance Lynn. I think that he will turn it around going forward. Francisco Alvarez or Jonah Heim? This is a twelve-team head-to-head Cats redraft. This one is made more complicated by the Gary Sanchez call up. I don't know how much is going to affect him, but he's sitting today for Gary Sanchez. Francisco Alvarez is that uh, for that matter. And I don't know long term what they're going to do. I think that Francisco Alvarez should be getting the majority of that playing time. And I think over the course of the season, he probably will. I don't know that Gary Sanchez is going to be somebody that they really turn to. Now, on the other side of that, Jonah Heim, I wasn't buying in to begin the season because We didn't have much reason to outside of, you know, oh, you know, he's on a hot streak right now. I just, there's nothing really in the profile to suggest that Jonah Heim is going to be anything more than what we have typically seen from him these last couple of seasons, which is just a mediocre guy that you can have as a, you know, back end, maybe a 15-team catcher, two-team, two catcher leagues, yes, but he's batting 288 right now. It's not going to last. It's, it's already has come down. You know, the last two weeks, he's 10 for his last 44. The last week, he's two for 19. I think if you're shooting for the upside play, you go for Francisco Alvarez. If you're shooting for a little bit more of a secure playing time, then you might go for Jonah Heim. But I think if I had to choose right now, one or the other, Francisco Alvarez would be the guy that I turn to in a 12-teamer. Jung, or Young, I should say Josh Young, or Beatty as a Machado replacement. 12-team head-to-head cats as well. The stack has, Beatty has been great, but Young has been producing. This is a question I believe I've had like a couple of different times, and I guess it's, you know, a lot of 10, 12-team waiver wires you're looking for a third baseman. I'm in the Josh Young camp. He is just so good in such a good lineup. I just, I I love him. And Brett Beatty, you could make the same arguments that, you know, good guy, good lineup. He doesn't have the same kind of consistent playing time. We've seen him, you know, he's playing, you know, two out of every three games. He's bouncing around the batting order a little bit. Josh Young has a, you know, I think, better chance of returning a, a higher ranking at the end of the season I think if you just look at what you're getting out of both of them Josh Young is probably the guy I would go to I, I prefer consistency wherever possible Josh Young consistently getting at bats in the five hole in that lineup and behind you know Corey Seager Marcus Simeon Adelise Garcia like is a very very good lineup that he's in Brett Beatty is still in a good lineup underperforming lineup and he's also not been as much of a mainstay in terms of his spot, either where he is batting or the fact that, you know, maybe he's not even going to be in the lineup that day. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if I had to choose, I'm going with Josh Young. It is fairly close, but I, I've become a really big fan of Josh Young this season. I, I, I wish I'd have had any shares. I have zero shares at this point, but he is borderline top 50 player right now. 57th according to the way that Yahoo does their rankings. 10 homers, 30 RBIs, 31 runs. He's got a steal. He's batting 263, which I think is fairly sustainable. I'm going to go with Josh Young there over Beatty. What do you think about this trade I made? Lang and Telez for Pasquantino. So I'm going to assume this is Alex Lang and Rowdy Telez for Vinny Pasquantino. I'm set on saves for context. Well, if you're set on saves, then I think it's a fine trade. Rowdy Telez, I am a big Rowdy Telez fan. So I never really want to be getting rid of Rowdy. But I think with Vinny P, when you look at the upside of what he's done so far this season... It's really good. It's not as good as it maybe what we were hoping for. And you know, these last couple of weeks, I've still kind of put a bit of a dampener on that batting average, which is at two fifty six right now. I believe that he was batting close to three hundred for a while. We're still in the part of the season where a bad week can really, really change. Where well, you know you could go from a three hundred hitter to a two fifty hitter pretty quickly. But I think that Vinny P is the guy that I that I would trust a little bit more than Rowdy. We're gonna assume, you know, cause you have saves taken care of that Lang doesn't matter so much there. It's essentially in your mind there, Tales for Vinny P. I prefer Vinny P, but I think you probably could have got a little bit more if I'm being honest. Rowdy has been performing really well so far this season. He's got 12 homers, 26 ribbies. He's got a higher ranking. A lot of people look at rankings, which is why, and I try not to, but I know that a lot of people will say, oh, this is 120th player. This is the 170th player. I'm taking the 120th player. It's not always that cut and dry. In fact, it usually isn't, especially in baseball with the way that, you know, a guy hits a home run one day and he can jump 40, 50, 70 spots in rankings. It's very, very volatile. But I think you could have probably got more for Rowdy Tellez, especially giving away a closer for Vinny P. You're paying more for the name, I think, than what we've actually seen based on the Royals' offense. As good as he has been at stretches this season, Rowdy's also been just as good. So I think I probably would have sold for more if you were going to get rid of Rowdy Tellez, but I don't have a big problem with this trade either. I think that it's fine. This one is a specific one. Is Matt Boyd a good streaming option for tomorrow or too risky? I'm not a Matt Boyd guy. At all, I know that there's a lot of people in the fantasy community who really like Matthew Boyd against Kansas City. It's probably fine, but I would not want to be doing it outside of a deeper league. If this is a 10 or a 12 team league, then I I don't really have much interest. If we're talking a 15 team league, then yeah, with a matchup against Kansas City, he's probably viable. He was probably added in, in NFBC leagues this week ahead of that start. But if you're just in your standard 10, 12 team Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, whatever. At this point of the week, you know, head-to-head-wise, there's no real need to take that kind of chance. And Roto, you don't really want Matt Boyd's stats sticking on your lineup the whole season, assuming it's a 10- or a 12-teamer, which I'm just – I am assuming that here because you didn't say, but I – that's just what most people play in, so it's the easy default. I, I If you want to, you know, send me another message back, Chris the Ball, and say, like, what your league depth is, then it might be a little bit easier. Because if you're saying it's a 10-team league, then there's no chance. 15, 17, 20-team league, then sure, there, there's no problem – Uh, In my mind, there. Uh, What do you make of Burns and his struggles, Corbin Burns? Seems like a buy low, but are there causes for concern? There's definitely causes for concern with Corbin Burns. That kind of rhymed. I didn't mean to do that, but I I don't really don't know at this point because I was in the camp of Corbin Burns is the number one starting pitcher in fantasy, which I feel kind of foolish about. But you know, you you can't win them all, right? Especially when you're making claims every day, answering questions. You're going to get something's wrong, especially when you're doing rankings, but. I I messed up there. Corbin Burns through 10 starts so far this season is not the Corbin Burns that we have known to to love over these last couple of years, to say the least. The velocity, slight bit down on the fastball and the cutter. Curveball a little bit slower, change up a little bit slower. We're not talking drastically. We're talking like a mile an hour here and there. The fastball, 96.3 last year, 95.5 this year. The cutter, 95.1 to 94 The curveball, almost 82, down to 80. It's not massive differences, but it's enough where you'd be a little bit concerned. If it was just that and he was still producing, then you wouldn't give a shit. But the fact that he's got a 21% strikeout rate, when he is a guy who has a 31% strikeout rate for his career, even with these 10 bad starts factored in, probably about 32% or something before the year started. But if you look back at these last few seasons, 30.5%, 35.6%, 36.7%, those are the K rates 21 to go down to 21 is awfully concerning. If you look at the walk rates as well, you know, in 2020, which not a big sample for him at all, it was nine games started, but he's you know, 10% walk rate. That was the highest we've seen from him these last couple of years, 5.2%, 6.4%. Now he's back up to walking almost 9% of batters. There's not really a lot that I can look at it with the advanced data and all the things that we have access to, Statcast and everything else. That makes me think that I should be buying Corbin Burns right now. Now, I don't think you should necessarily be selling him either. I would rather bank on Corbin Burns returning to form throughout the course of the season versus somebody who is going to be you know 70 cents on the dollar kind of thing for Corbin Burns because we just know the potential is still there. He's a Cy Young winner, for God's sake. So we know what he is capable of. But I don't want to be going out and saying, yes, he's a buy low because the metrics are fairly concerning. The strikeouts are bad. The velocity is bad. You know, he's not getting BABIP to death either. He's got a low BABIP, 255. He's stranding 72% of runners on base. Those are average numbers that you expect to see if a guy, you know, if there's no massive outliers in performance, if he's doing what you generally expect. Or I should say, if the numbers are telling you the truth, not what they would generally expect, if you're seeing you know, a 120 BABIP and you're stranding 97% of runners on base, then you can be pretty sure that you should be selling that guy pretty soon because those are very unsustainable numbers. 255 BABIP, will probably go up in all honesty. That's a fairly low BABIP, even for him. 288 for the career, I would expect that to go up a little bit over the course of the season just naturally. The left on base percentage for him, usually a little bit higher, but we're still in the normal range here, 72.4%. I'm concerned. I am definitely concerned. It took me a while to fully realize what was going on here with Corbin Burns because, you know, you you see bad outings early in the season. It's a pretty easy default to, you know, from these first two-round, three-round, four-round, five-round fantasy players, you see bad starts, then it's almost an automatic buy low in every situation. But now that we've gotten to the point of 10 starts and it really is not looking good for Corbin Burns, I can't make the case to say – you should be going out and acquiring him. I don't think you should be necessarily trading him unless you're getting back requisite value, something that is actually you know, worth trading away, other than just hoping for a bounce back. If you're trading him for you know, somebody who's outside the top 100 players or something like that, then I, I don't know that you could really justify that to yourself. At the same time, it's, it's a really tricky situation, because we know if he does get things right, then he could just end up being ridiculously good. But I can't I can't see myself going and paying a a price for Corbin Burns right now, unless it's drastically low. If someone in your league wants to trade him for nothing, then sure. But at this point, I'm just kind of staying away and just hoping that we can see some return uh, to the form that we've come accustomed to of these last few seasons. Uh, Say Suzuki's recent success sustainable, despite a high K rate, it's not terribly high at all. Uh, It's 25%. It's, it's fairly average. Uh, I, I don't have much concern at all, really uh, 25%. I mean, last year it was 24%, you know, over 111 games. I'm no concern really there at all. The walk rates a little bit up. I wish he was stealing a little bit more, but I'm not concerned about him. No, I, I'm, I'm fairly interested in say Suzuki. Not that he's somebody, let me just double check Yahoo. Cause you never really know with Yahoo. Sometimes players are more available than they should be. He's 72% rostered at this point he should probably be on more rosters than that, you know, especially considering how hot he has been recently. If you're in a, you know, a shallower league, you can kind of churn those guys out, you know, three outfielder league, if you want to go with Suzuki one week and then maybe Lars Newbar gets hot next week and maybe the next week it's whoever. Fine, but I think that there's a good case to be made that say a Suzuki should be on every single fantasy roster and I, I don't have any concern about the K rate. I 25% is fairly average. There's no there's nothing there that is really worrying to me so much. Are uh, you interested in buying low on Joe Musgrove? Kind of, but also not really at the same time. He has been bad. Joe Musgrove has looked really bad, and maybe it was because of, you know, he hurt his toe to begin the season, and you'd think it's kind of a weird, you know, why would this affect his pitching, but it might have just affected his ramping up process. If you look at the advanced numbers for him, they're better than the actual numbers, but still – They're not great. They're really not great, and there's a good part of me that thinks that we just need to give Musgrove a little bit more time, but at this point of the season, he's looking like a big miss for people who drafted him. He had the one good start against the Dodgers, but other than that, it's been really, really bad. The strikeouts are about what they usually are. The walks are too high. The indicators are bad. Like The pitching indicators are You know, even though the ERA six seven five, you know the FIP is five eighty three, the xFIP is four seventy seven, which is not terrible. Sierra four thirty eight depends what the price is, I guess. You know, when you're asking about buying low, if you can get them for dirt cheap, for nothing, for a waiver wire player, then for for sure. But I wouldn't just be going out there and doing everything I can to get Musgrove any more than I would be Corbin Burns. If I had to choose one or the other, I'd go Corbin Burns. But I don't think that either one of them is a is a huge target for me right now. Should I keep Mason Miller in my IL spot in a deep redraft 12-team league? It's quality start, which means you know, there are no wins. He has to go six innings instead of five. And he's also saying I could use the IL spot. It's unfortunate, but at this point, Mason Miller is probably a drop everywhere. If you don't have the IL space, then you've got to drop him. And you guys will know, based on my show titles, based on the tweets I was sending out, based on you know, that episode we did with Nick Pollock, When he debuted and we were literally going through it live, if you missed that one, it was one of the most fun episodes we've ever done on the show. Nick was reacting live to Mason Miller's debut, fawning all over him, in turn making me fawn all over him. Uh, But at this point with the elbow inflammation, I don't know what's going to happen here. It's called a, a UCL sprain in his right elbow. How bad is that going to be? I don't know. That could be Tommy John surgery. That could be just some inflammation, and he's shut down for a little while, and then he comes back. But either way, in a 12-team league, even though it's a deep 12-team league, I don't know that he's going to come back and give you any quality starts, if he comes back at all. But if he comes back, I feel like it'll be abbreviated outings where he might have some per-game value, but it's also not a situation where I'd really want to be holding unless you had those unlimited IL spots. You're saying you could use the IL spots, uh, I would probably just drop him and go ahead and use that IL spot for somebody else that you need. Uh, let's see here. Uh, could you judge the trades that I just made? 14 team redraft. I feel pitching was is good. Plus, I have McKenzie coming back, so I gave up Dylan Floro, Bailey Ober, and Lamont Wade Jr. for Alex Bregman and Jake Berger. That's a good trade, I think. You know, as long as you got you know the the, situa- the positional situation figured out there with a couple of third basemen. I like Floro. Ober got rocked yesterday, and you know, will I continue? I don't know. The advanced metrics were very favorable for him at first, or excuse me, very unfavorable. Like he had been getting very lucky through his first few outings, so it didn't surprise me that he got rocked a little bit. I'm fine to have traded him. Lamont Wade, I, I don't really know how to feel about him. I think he's fine. I think he was kind of overhyped a little bit when he started, you know, performing well at the beginning of the season. And overall, I think that you, know, you did very well in that particular trade. Uh, There's also another trade you asked about here. It gave up Burns and Tyler Wells, and you got back Brian Reynolds and Miles Straw. I don't like it. i got to be honest here. I like to be positive where I can, but you're giving up Corbin Burns and Tyler Wells, who, you know, Burns, we just went over him in depth. But I, I, I would still rather have Burns than a lot of players. I mean, you're giving away Burns plus a guy in Tyler Wells who, granted, you know, we went over him yesterday. He is an overperformer, but he's still somebody who has done incredibly well so far this season, and we don't really know if he's gonna be able to maintain it, but I would, you know, still not want to have given him away for just Brian Reynolds, essentially, because Miles Straw stinks. Miles Straw has no business on any fantasy teams. He is not somebody that is startable in any format outside of the deepest of leagues. He's not startable in a standard fifteen team league, usually. Brian Reynolds is a nice return, but he's also Cooled off fairly considerably as well. Like, you know, over these last couple of weeks, he's been okay. But if you know, a lot of his line is going to be inflated by that hot start that he and the Pirates had. And I don't think if you look back at the end of the day, it's going to be an amazing season for Brian Reynolds like we might have projected in those first couple of weeks. Like, I don't think he's going to be a top 20, 30, 40 player. He might, be in, he might end up as like where he is right now on like Yahoo ranking 67th. I think that's a reasonable place to expect, but... I don't know that I would have made that trade, giving up those two arms for Brian Reynolds. I probably would have asked for a little bit more. But that first one with Bregman and Berger, that one is totally fine for me. I I think that that one uh, is a good trade. Kopech or Lynn, Lance Lynn, I assume, or Michael Kopech. This is an easy one for Lance Lynn. I do not have a lot of faith at all, at all, in Michael Kopech. He's coming off a great start against Kansas City. Good for him. Send him back to waiver wires if you still have him. He stinks. He's not a major league starter. Lance Lynn is a great starting pitcher still. I'm still in that camp that he is going to be fine, and I do not have a ton of worry. Uh, Joe, who is best two for Cat Leagues out of these options, in your opinion? Holy shit, this is a lot of options, Tony. But Gunnar Henderson, Brett Beatty, Michael Harris, Sayah Suzuki, Harrison Bader, Mickey Moniak, uh, DeYoung, Fraley, and Tyler O'Neal. This is a long list. Let me just take a look at it for a second here. So I would say... I would say Michael Harris, because I still think it's too early to give up on somebody where we saw such great things last season right out of the gate to, I think that people are are very quick to judge in the fantasy world and, you know, write people off. I think it's way too soon to do that for Michael Harris. I'd still be buying back or buying uh, with the hope that he will get better because it's been awful, but he is so much better than what we have seen so far. It guess It makes people think about their rookie of the year votes last year going for him over Strider. But I think I would still take Michael Harris, and I think the other guy that I would go for there is probably Seiya Suzuki. You know, I'd want to say Tyler O'Neal, but there's still so much uncertainty about O'Neill about what he does, about whether or not he'll be able to you know, come back, first of all, whether they'll use him when he comes back, what the production will look like. So I would say, personally, I'd go for Michael Harris, and I'd go for Seiya Suzuki uh, among those names. Uh, we got one more question here. And I apologize because there's a couple that were a little bit repetitive, and I didn't want to go over the same thing over again. But this will be the last question that we go over. Uh, points league, like need to drop one with Luis Severino back, Taj Bradley, Josiah Gray, Edward Cabrera, Heaney, Bybee, or Yuri Perez. Let's go process of elimination here. It's not gonna be Yuri Perez. I wouldn't be dropping Taj Bradley. I wouldn't drop Josiah Gray. Edward Cabrera is a definite candidate just because of the walk rate. It would either be him or Andrew Heaney, really, and I think probably I'd still go with Edward Cabrera because I, I have more faith in him over the course of a long season. Now he's also dealing with a blister right now, but I think that day-to-day thing that they had on Yahoo has disappeared. So maybe the blister's fine. Maybe all will will be fine for him in his next start on Saturday. Uh, Andrew Heaney is is just a real wild card for me. I, I you know he does good. He does well sometimes. He does absolutely piss poor other times. Strikeouts have been there to some extent, but not the way that we usually have seen them uh, from Andrew Heaney. 52 strikeouts in 48 innings. I'm going to take a look at what the strikeout rate is there, but it's lower than what we have come to expect from Andrew Heaney. Uh, It's probably in like the 25% strikeout range. Let me just double check because I could be wrong. But I would bet that this is about the lowest we've seen from him in a while. 9.75 Ks per nine, 25.7% K rate. For the career, that's about what he's done, but that's also weighted down by the early seasons where he didn't have a lot of strikeouts. Last year, was 35% K rate for him, which, granted, came over 72 innings. But come down a little bit from there, you go from a very good team context to still good team context, but not as good. And I think overall, uh, Heaney would be probably the guy that I dropped there. Some people really like him. Some people would disagree, but I am just not a fan of him. I think that he's too volatile for a lot of the time to really give you that much consistency from a fantasy point of view. So I think he would be the name that I drop out of that bunch. Guys, I really appreciate all the interaction, all the questions that you sent in. I apologize because there's one or two that I didn't get to, but... Send me a message on Twitter because there's just a lot going on in my life and with the Twitter world and with notifications and everything. So badger me. If I haven't answered a question, badger me. I apologize if I if I've let something slip through the cracks. If you guys have been following me on Twitter or you've seen pods recently, uh, it's been a tough few weeks. A lot of stuff going on in my life, but gonna be doing more and more as much as I possibly can, anyway, to answer your questions and put out these shows. We haven't missed a show, never gonna miss a show. Uh, but we're going to do everything I can, or I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that those questions remain getting answered, which is why I like to do these mailbags about once a week. In case I've fallen behind on your question, throw it in the mailbag, and we'll get to it. And if not, then just please badger me, and I will answer, because I do pride myself on, on answering those questions. I take that responsibility seriously. And I apologize, because these last couple of weeks, like I've like I've said repeatedly, have just been very difficult in my life. So... Apologies there, but guys, make sure you're following over on Twitter at JoeOrico99, J O E O R R I C O 99, and at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you're checking out sportsethos.com if you haven't already. It's beyond baseball. We got football. We got hockey. We got basketball. We got everything going on. So make sure you are checking out the website and everything we got going on. But guys, until tomorrow, hope you have a great night. Take care and cheers.